I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon. Hope you're all well. Hope you've all had a good day. Another edition of the Press Review coming up for you a little bit later than normal, but we got there uh, nonetheless. Uh, big shout out to everybody joining us in the live chat at the moment. I hope you're all well. Uh, let's say a few hellos actually before we dive into it. Let's start off with Harvey. Uh, with Halo, with Ismond. Um, hope you're well. Uh, how you doing? A uh, big hello to uh, CHHS fans. He joins us from Austin. Um, he says he looks forward to hearing a little bit about DRB. Uh, Steve Stone, hope you're well. Um, Henry Guna, who says he's just got in uh, after a day looking after his granddaughter and he needs some chronicles. You need some relaxation, uh, I think is what you need, mate, for sure. Um, big hello to Mahmoud and to Zephyr and to everybody else as well in the live chat box. Okay, let's get into it then because there's a, a few bits and pieces to discuss on today's edition of the show. A big thank you uh, to Mike who says congrats on 20k. Thank you uh, so, so much, mate. We've got a special video uh, dropping for you guys uh, tomorrow, mate. Actually, it's going to drop on Saturday morning um, to sort of thank you all. Um, for, of course, your support of the channel and of the podcast for those of you that listen uh, via audio, because that is just as important. And um, yeah, it's all good. So thank you so, so much. Right. Let's get into it then. And let's start off uh, with probably the biggest uh, link that we've seen uh, with regards to Arsenal today, which is that with the club uh, supposedly being interested in Moussa Diaby, the French international winger who currently plays his football for Bayer Leverkusen in the Bundesliga. And he's having quite the season. He's played 30 times in the German top flight this season, managing 12 goals and providing 11 assists. In the Europa League, he scored four goals and provided two assists in his eight appearances in that particular competition. And despite making two appearances in the DFB Pokal, which is the German Cup, he didn't manage to net in that particular trophy uh, this season, but he's had a very, very good season overall. And if you look at his stats um, overall across the season in all the competitions, you're talking about someone with 16 goals and 13 assists in 40 appearances. So that's what, 29 direct goal contributions in 40 games. That is pretty good, isn't it? And um, a lot of fans of the Bundesliga tell me constantly, that he's a he's a really top player. That he's somebody who's got like a lot of potential, can go on to very very good things. And as I mentioned, he's a fully fledged uh, French international as well. He's made five appearances uh, for the French national side so far. Just looking at some of um, some of his stats here and and some of the performances, he tends to bag a brace from time to time, which obviously uh, boosts those stats. He's got a couple of braces this season. He's got a hat trick. Uh, back in January against Augsburg, um, goals against Dortmund, goals against Stuttgart. Um, just having a look at two goals against Dortmund, in fact, one against Borussia Mönchengladbach. I'm always interested when I look at how many goals a player has scored um, to see who they've been scored against as well, because I think that makes a big difference. I think it's interesting to see whether a player is a bit of a flat track bully. There's been a lot of those uh, over the years who have sort of 
padded their stats in that way. And then when it's come to the big games, people have often said, well, this guy never produces in the big moments. This guy never produces in the big games. So I do like to look at that as well. It's not the be one end all, but it is something that I am always curious about when looking at a player. Now, I haven't watched an awful lot of Moussa Diaby play. I've got to be completely honest. I did a commentary on Celtic's game at Bayer Leverkusen in the Europa League earlier on in the season. And um, and that was interesting because in that game, there were a couple of players in that Bayer Leverkusen side that impressed me. He was, um, he was certainly one of them. I thought that Moussa Diaby looked lively every time he got the ball. I thought he looked a threat every time he got the ball. I thought he was... Um, he was the guy that you were looking at and thinking, yeah, you know, he's the man with the magic touch. He's the man with the spark. And he's the man who's able, if anybody, to create something here and cause Celtic all kinds of problems. I thought he had a brilliant game that day. It was he and Florian Wirtz, uh, the two players that caught my eye on that particular occasion. So I'm not surprised to see that he's being linked with a move away from Bayer Leverkusen. And I'm not surprised to read that Arsenal are reportedly interested. Now, where does this story come from? It comes from the German outlet Build, um, who say that Arsenal are doing everything they can, or I think the term they used was pushing hard to sign Moussa Diaby from Bayer Leverkusen this summer. However, he is a player with a pretty damn hefty price tag. When you think about the fact that according to Transfer Markt, which is never normally uh, the gospel, he is uh, valued at just under £50 million. But reports suggest that Arsenal would need to pay in excess of £70 million Euros to get this deal done, which amounts to something more than um, £60 million. Now, listen, I, I do think that we do need another forward in terms of someone that can play in those wide areas. I do think that we need to be able to give... Uh, you know, the likes of Bukayo Saka are a bit of a breather from time to time, that we need someone who is going to produce, if not as many, but more outputs than those guys that we currently have. And I'm talking about Smith Rowe, Martinelli and Saka. If we're going to go to that next level, and it feels like the RB is already there, but it's going to cost us an absolute fortune, an absolute fortune. And, um, and can we afford to spend that sort of money on that position? I think when you think about Arsenal's priorities going into the summer, and I'm sure you're going to hear me say this many, many times um, over the coming months, you need to sign a striker. That's got to be first and foremost. You probably need another midfielder. And I would argue you probably need another defender as well. A winger is something that I want us to get, but I don't know that it's so far up the list that you can spend or justify spending in excess of, 60 odd million pounds. Now, um, you know, it just feels like a lot of money. I mean, will Nicolas Pepe leave? It looks like that. It looks like Nicolas Pepe could be on his way out or will at least be told that he can start looking for another club. He just hasn't featured under Mikel Arteta as much as he would have liked. Will the fact that we've secured European football for next season persuade him to stay one more year, persuade him uh, that he will get some game time in and around the first team, albeit in European competitions, to show what he can do. Maybe um, we're going to have to wait and see. But if he doesn't stay and if we are able to get 25-odd million pounds in for him, which uh, I'm not sure we're going to, but it feels like a reasonable fee for, for a player of Nicolas Pepe's level who can produce goals and assists if he plays regularly. We've seen that throughout his career, then that subsidises, doesn't it? Almost half of what you're talking about 
when it comes to somebody like Musa Diaby. So I do think that the decision to go out and bring in a winger, especially one of such high value, will be dependent on whether Arsenal can bring some money in for the likes of Nicolas Pepe. You'd imagine that Bern Leno might leave the club as well. Another player who we could potentially recuperate some funds for. And then you're starting there to sit there and thinking, well, maybe the transfer kitty, maybe the transfer budget is a lot bigger than what we initially thought. Sales are going to be key as well this summer. There's a lot of players that are out on loan at the moment. You know, people like Ainsley Maitland-Niles, what's going to happen with him? I think he'll probably uh, end up being sold. You think about Lucas Torreira, you'd imagine we're going to get a fee for him, even if it is nominal. Um, there's a lot of players that Arsenal still need to move out. That This whole clear out, this whole transitional phase that we're going through, which involves not just bringing in players, but moving players out as well. It's still got a long way to run and it's still got a long way to go. So we're going to have to see how all of that pans out. But would I welcome a signing like Moussa Diaby? Yeah, I would, because when I have seen him, I've been incredibly impressed. But at 65, 70 million pounds, which is what is being touted, it feels like a hell of a lot of money unless you're going to subsidise that by, as I say, potentially moving on a Nicolas Pepe or somebody like that in order to fund it. So those are the reports from the German outlet build. Um, it's not it's not the hottest report. It's not a report that makes me sort of stand up and take notice in the way that, for example, the Gabriel Jesus one did. Um, that is a real credible story. I think that the interest in him is genuine. And so naturally, I'm going to pay more attention to that story and I'm going to give more emphasis to that one. I'm not quite there yet with the Moussa Diaby story. I'm not saying that it's fake. I'm not saying that it's not true. I'm not saying that there's no credence to it. There's no smoke without fire more often than not. So perhaps there is something to this, but it doesn't feel to me like it's a deal that Arsenal are anywhere near doing at this point. Now, I know that the season's not over yet. I know that plans are in place for the summer. I know that Arsenal will be working behind the scenes to try and get the ball rolling with some of their identified targets. Is Moussa Diaby one of them? I can't say he is um, or isn't with any real degree of certainty at the moment. Um, what else is going around in the press today? Um, I just wanted to bring you guys' attention to uh, Tom Canton's a brilliant piece with Nuno Tavares's former Benfica coach. Uh, if you get over onto Twitter and search for Tom Canton Media, you'll find him there and you'll find the link to that piece where he spoke, as I say, to Nuno Tavares's coach at Benfica. They had a good chat about how he will have responded to those early substitutions that have seemingly damaged his confidence and how he will respond to the idea of Arsenal potentially signing somebody like Aaron Hickey another fullback who could come in this summer. Really, really interesting, fascinating insight into Nuno Tavares and what, you know, it's always interesting, isn't it, to get the opinion of others on him. Uh, so do check it out, have a read uh, and let us know what you think on that. So I just wanted to highlight that. Uh, there was also a piece in The Athletic talking about Granit Xhaka and his role within the group isn't the captain officially isn't the captain on paper, but is certainly acting like one, according to that recent piece in The Athletic, which talks a lot about the dynamic behind the scenes. Uh, so you might want to check that out as well. And according to Charles Watts, Bukayo Saka and Takahiro Tomiyasu, who both uh, looked like they were struggling at the end of the win at West Ham 
last weekend are said to be okay and should feature against Leeds United this weekend. I mean, what a huge game that is for the Arsenal. And, you know, obviously there's a big game going on on Saturday night as well between Liverpool and Spurs. And we're desperate for Liverpool to take all three points in that one. And it would set us up nicely. If we could then go and beat Leeds United, we go into that North London derby next Thursday night in such a strong position. Now, listen, you guys have been giving me some stick recently for, um, you know, when I didn't go to Brighton, uh, we got beat. And um, a lot of people were giving me grief about that in the chat. I've been to three away games um, in the last couple of months and we've won all three of them. So you'll be pleased to know that I'm going to Tottenham away as well. Uh, so that's another game that hopefully I'm going to go and bless with my presence. But we'll see. Uh, big, big game coming up, that one, of course. And we'll bring you a full-length preview when the time is nearer. We're going to get the Leeds game out of the way first. We're going to do Mikel Arteta's press conference tomorrow. We're going to bring you some reaction and some thoughts from that, as well as previewing the game. Also, don't forget on Saturday, we've got a special piece dropping, a thank you piece uh, for the 20K subscriber mark here on YouTube as well. So lots of content coming over the next few days, hopefully to take your minds off of what's going to be a really, really stressful uh, weekend, you'd imagine. Okay, um, let's talk a little bit about last night's Champions League football. I mean, how can we not? I, I dropped a little short video that I filmed in my car. It was terrible, really, uh, on the way back from watching the game last night. But we've got to talk about this because Manchester City uh, are getting a lot of criticism, a lot of stick. They're being called bottle jobs, bottle jobs of the century. Is Pep Guardiola ever going to win the Champions League again? Is he ever going to win the competition um, with Manchester City? I mean. I feel like, although when you're in Manchester City's position, which was 1-0 up on the night and 5-3 up on aggregate in the 89th or 90th minute, to go on and lose that game is naturally going to spark criticism, is naturally going to lead to a really sort of difficult post-mortem. It's naturally going to lead to lots of people sort of wanting to have a go and wanting to have a dig and trying to identify reasons as to why or how Pep Guardiola might have got it horribly wrong. And and whilst I think that that is a valid perspective and whilst I think there is a lot that you could question, I thought that some of the substitutions that he made disrupted City a little bit and almost gave up control to, to Real Madrid. But what I would say is not enough praise is being given to Real Madrid, who are just an absolute beast, an absolute machine um, in this competition. They're relentless. They never die. Uh, they just keep going. They keep coming back from impossible situations. The atmosphere inside that ground last night looked absolutely incredible. And that must have played a huge part as well. The whole aura, the whole vibe around Real Madrid is something that you can't buy. Manchester City, you can't buy that. You cannot um, manufacture that with 10 years of spending. What Real Madrid are, what Real Madrid were, what Real Madrid will be, it's just completely different. You know, Real Madrid are, are an institution of football. They're a, a juggernaut. They are European royalty. And you really do see that fear factor being struck into opponents every single time that they find themselves in these really difficult and strange situations. Rodrigo came on and made a real impact, didn't he? Got across the goalkeeper and the defender to turn the first one in and then popped up with a brilliant header to add the second. And from then on, the pendulum just completely swung 
in Real Madrid's favour. It just completely turned. The atmosphere turned. The uh, the stadium was electric. The It just seemed to inject some energy into everybody in a white shirt. And, um, and Manchester City simply couldn't cope with it. To give away a silly penalty as well didn't help, but it certainly was a penalty. Ruben Diaz, who's been so good for Manchester City since signing for the club, uh, really just got caught out there by Karen Benzema's clever movement. And from the spot, uh, the French international striker was never going to miss. Big, big night for Real Madrid. And it sets up a really glamorous, doesn't it, Champions League final between themselves and Liverpool, which uh, takes place in Paris uh, on the 28th of May. Very, very much looking forward to that one for sure. So that was the Champions League stuff. Obviously, Liverpool as well the night before had um, had a little bit of a scare. 2-0 down to Unai Emery's Villarreal. But um, uh, Tom Canton was saying this on the show that we did together earlier on, and I, and I completely agree with him. It was almost in our benefit to see Liverpool go through because of the boost it gives them and because of the fact that it doesn't mean they're dealt a blow going into what is a huge, huge game for us and them, of course, at the weekend between themselves and Tottenham Hotspur. So, yeah, um, it might serve us well that Liverpool managed to get through and uh, and push through in that. OK, look, there isn't a great deal um, to, to sort of unpick from uh, the press about Arsenal uh, on this edition. We talked about Moussa Diaby just briefly. As I say, if that report continues to gather pace, continues to gather wind, I'll do my uh, due diligence on him. We'll do a little bit more research and we'll hopefully get somebody on who's an expert uh, in the Bundesliga to give us a little bit more of a rundown on what he brings uh, to the table. Uh, I've talked about uh, Granite Xhaka and that piece in The Athletic, which really is complimentary of him. We've talked about uh, Saka and Tomiyasu in the updates around their fitness, hopefully going into the game at the weekend. Um, but one other story that I just wanted to touch on uh, is some uh, some reports going around uh, talking about Mikel Arteta's supposed uh, feelings towards Reese Nelson. Now, Reese Nelson is a player that Arsenal fans for years and years and years have had really high hopes for. And in truth, he's never really lived up to it. You could argue he's not had the opportunities. You could argue he's not been given the chance to prove himself. But Reese Nelson is um, is somebody who undoubtedly has a lot of talent with the ball at his feet. He's undoubtedly someone who has the potential to go on and be a big and really, really um, important player uh, for the club moving forward. But it's just never looked like working out. And when I saw that he had gone off to the Netherlands, to Feyenoord, uh, to play there for the rest of the season. I thought that would probably be it for Reese Nelson. I've got to be honest. But according to reports from multiple outlets today, Mikel Arteta has been really, really impressed by what he's seen from Reese Nelson, particularly since Christmas, where he's had a lot more game time and he's been a lot more involved in the good things that the Dutch club have done. So, is there a future for Reese Nelson back at Arsenal? Perhaps there is. Now, I still think that if we want to push on to the next level and if we want to, you know, be competitive in the Champions League, should we make it there next season and make sure that we consolidate our place in the top four next season, we need to be looking bigger and better than Reese Nelson. It's no disrespect to him. I'm glad that he's doing well. Um, I'm glad that, you know, Mikel Arteta has, has seen something positive. But it, it, is it enough, I guess, is the question for you to go, oh, well, Reese Nelson's an option next season. Let's bring him back then and let's overlook the need to add further depth in those wide areas. 
I'm not convinced that I've seen enough from this loan spell to feel that way. Um, obviously, you know, it's picked up a little bit for him, but is has it picked up enough? And you've also got to think about where he's playing his football. And I don't mean this disrespectfully, but the Dutch Eredivisie is nowhere near the standard of the Premier League. And so can he translate that form that he's showing over in the Netherlands here in the Premier League? Can he translate it at a club like Arsenal? The jury's still out for me. So I I still don't think and don't feel that Reese Nelson has a, a particularly uh, prosperous future ahead of him at Arsenal Football Club. I think he will go elsewhere. But it's interesting to see that he's turned it around in the second part of the season because he wasn't getting much game time. There was criticism aimed at him um, from, from some coaching staff previously. Not actually, let me rephrase that, not specifically at him as in to say that he's doing something wrong, but around the way he'd been coached and around the way that he'd been training at Arsenal. So it seems that it's taken him a bit of time to to get adjusted, get accustomed to their ways, but he seems to be thriving from it uh, now. So, um, yeah, let's see how that goes. Okay, look, let's take uh, lots and lots of your questions from the chat box. Start putting your questions in. They can be Arsenal, they can be football related, they can be about anything you want. Drop them in the chat box and I'll answer as many of them as I possibly can in the last 10, 15 minutes of the show. Just going to take a very brief pause and then I'll be diving into the chat box. Okay, welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network with me, Harry Simeu. We've been uh, rummaging through the press for Arsenal-related stories. We've uh, brought you up to speed with the reports linking Arsenal with a move from Moussa Diaby. We've talked Granite Xhaka. We've br brought you the update from Charles Watts with regards to Saka and Tomiyasu's fitness ahead of that crunch clash with Leeds United at the weekend. And we've also told you that Mikel Arteta is reportedly impressed by what he's seen from Reese Nelson in recent months. Right, let's... um. Let's uh, go over to the chat box then and take as many of your questions as we possibly can. I want to say a big shout out actually first to the North Korean gunner who says, I always seem to catch the back end of your shows. You do. And yesterday you left me a super chat, which I really want to say thank you for. Um, I did comment after the stream had ended in the comments saying, so sorry, just seen this as we've ended the stream and that I would shout you out on the next show. So that's what I'm doing. Uh, thank you for your very, very kind support of the channel. It really does help, uh, as I always say to you guys, and uh, good to see you back uh, for more. So uh, thank you, mate. Uh, OK, let's um, let's see what else we've got, because there is a few questions already in the chat box while you continue um, to pop some more in. Let me see what we've got. Um, Junior Gunner says, uh, Harry, what about two forwards we could look at in the summer? Skamaka and Raspadori from Sassuolo. I like them. I do. Um, particularly Skamaka. There's something about him that I really like. And I think that he'd be really suited to Premier League football if he could just sort of adjust to the tempo just because of his physical presence and, and sort of frame and all of that. So I do really like him. I just... I do have that worry, though, with that translation from Serie A to the Premier League. Like, it is a very difficult one, more of a transition than it is coming from the Bundesliga, for example, where the pace is a bit quicker or it's a bit more physical. I don't know. I just, um, it, it depends on the price that these guys would be available for. Now, I know that Serie A is a league where traditionally you can get a bargain from 
You know, you think about the financial state of some of those clubs at the moment. You think about the impact of COVID. You think about all of that stuff and and you feel like you can sort of tempt a lot of these Serie A clubs, particularly a club like Sassuolo, who aren't at the elite level, who aren't at, in a place where, you know, they've got bags of money or, or are in a place where they can be resistant to these types of offers. They are somebody that um, I think we could almost bully into doing what we wanted if the interest was there. But um, they wouldn't be uh, they wouldn't be my first choice players. Um, but I do like them as well. Um, interesting question. And maybe we'll do, as I say, look, over the summer, the season's got, what, a few weeks left, a couple of weeks left. Then we're going to be inundated with transfer talk. And what we'll do in a lot of those shows is instead of, uh, just regurgitating the news that you've probably seen here, there and everywhere. We'll we'll deep dive into a lot of these players and we'll sort of do kind of profiles on them um, so that we can uh, sort of get a bit better understanding of some of the players that we're linked to. I think that's a good way to go in the summer. Correct me uh, if it's something else you'd prefer to see. Uh, Runar says, who would you give the captain's armband to next season? I'm not going to really elaborate on this too much just because I've spoken about it at length recently. Uh, but I think Martin Erdegaard is the man for me. GB says, do we perhaps not risk Ben White or even Tommy Asu as starters on Sunday with an eye on the North London derby next Thursday? Well, no, not for me, uh, just because I want Arsenal to go out and do the business against Leeds United. Look, I think if if to we have the advantage and the benefit of knowing what Tottenham have done at Liverpool before we go out to play against Leeds United on the Sunday, if Tottenham have lost, and it is an if, OK, but if Tottenham have lost, I want to see Arsenal go full pelt and and do whatever they need to do to win the game. Because you win that game, you open up a nice cushion of five points. You go to that White Hart Lane fixture without being too worried, too concerned. If we win, we'll wrap up top four and we'll do it at their place. If we don't, um, if we get a point, then we put ourselves still in a very, very good position. And if we lose, we're still in a stronger position. So I think that the significance of Leeds, particularly if Tottenham get beat by Liverpool, is huge. It's huge anyway, but... It, it's a massive opportunity if indeed Tottenham do drop points the night before. So I don't really want to see too much tinkering. I don't really want to see too much messing around with the team, if I'm honest. Um, Afsar says, smash the likes. Yes, please do. Um, it would really, really help. Let's try and get up to as close to 100 likes as we possibly can between now and the end of the show. Um, Harvey says, going back to Manchester City just briefly, do you think Pep might think leaving, think about leaving if they fail to get the Premier League title? Interesting. I don't know. Um, it would be interesting to see, you know, because there, there has been talk of him signing a new contract recently. And, you know, it, it's like he doesn't want to leave until he sort of deals with this unfinished business, which is the Champions League as far as Man City concerned. We know that they can win the Premier League title. We know that they can win the domestic cups. We know that they can hoover up in that sense. But when it comes to the Champions League, it keeps on evading him. And it actually, one of the things I brought up on the gas tank earlier today, I don't know if you saw it, was um, Chelsea obviously were taken over by Roman Abramovich in what, 2003, 2004? Um, and they didn't actually win the Champions League until 2012. And I can't remember because it was just a hell of a long time ago. But I can't remember if there was this much energy around Chelsea not winning the Champions League 
as there is now that Manchester City are the side with all the riches and who are not achieving uh, that goal. It's interesting, isn't it? And uh, can anybody remember? I can't remember that far back that clearly, to be honest. And I probably wasn't paying all that much attention to the noise around Chelsea and the noise uh, around their lack of Champions League success at that point. But yeah, let me know what you think. Um, on the stoop, Brooklyn's Premier League fan show. How you doing? Uh, joining us from Brooklyn, New York says, when will you join us for some drinks and laughs on happy hour? Do you know what, mate? I would love to. I would love to get out to the States um, and, and meet so many of you because there is so many of you that tune into this on a regular basis, uh, that listen on the audio podcast, that watch on 90 Min. Uh, I get so many messages on the social media platforms from people across the pond. It would be great to come over and do something and get to meet a lot of you. But um, will I uh, Will I be able to do it um, soon? I don't know. Um, I'd love to. Uh, but you never know. Hopefully we can um, we can make it happen sooner rather than later. But thank you, mate. It would be a pleasure. Uh, OK, let's uh, let's keep going through the chat box. Uh, Amira says, have you seen the news about Napoli wanting Hickey, Hickey to Arsenal confirmed? <laughs> Listen, when it comes to Aaron Hickey. If Arsenal want him, they'll be able to get him. I honestly believe that. I think there will be clubs out there who could gazump us if they wanted to. There will be clubs out there with the financial power and the financial muscle to be able to go, yeah, we'll have him, we'll sneak in, we'll take him. But Napoli, not one of them for me. In fact, I don't think any of the Serie A clubs are in a position where they could do that to us. If we really want a player, we can make it happen financially. I say financially because we could have easily made the Vlavic deal happen financially it's just that the player decided he wanted to go elsewhere and that his heart was set on Juventus the only thing that makes me think that Aaron Hickey would need some convincing to come to Arsenal if indeed he is someone that we make a move for is the fact that he's going to have Kieran Tierney in front of him I think that's the bit like will he be happy to come in and play an understudy role will he be happy to come in and fight for the right fullback role I don't know that's my worry with this pursuit, if indeed we are looking at this player. It's, will he be happy with the role that Arsenal would be able to offer him? Because let's be honest, when Kieran Tierney's fit, he plays. When Kieran Tierney's available, he's one of the first names on the team sheet. The problem is he isn't always available. And at backup right now, we don't have enough really in order to cope with that over a long period of time. Uh, Chris says, what's your opinion on Lautaro, Harry, on the physical side and efficiency-wise? Why? Beg your pardon. Really like uh, I'm a big fan of his. I think he brings a lot to the table. I think he's energetic. I think he's clever in his movement. Um, in terms of efficiency, I don't think he's the best, but I think he's, he's, um, he's certainly got a, a record that doesn't you know deserve to be sniffed at. i say he's not the best because i think when you watch him like i mean you look at it statistically right he's got 17 league goals in 32 serie a appearances this season which you'd argue is very very good very very respectable but the reason i say that he could be better and there's more efficient players because when you look at how many chances that guy creates for himself or or, or has you just always come away thinking he should have done more. He should have done more. He should have made this happen. He should have finished it off. 
And he's a little bit underwhelming in that sense, just sort of based on the eye test. Statistically, he looks great. But if you don't watch the games week in, week out, I don't think you really get that. That actually, although he does score and he does produce good returns, he could probably do a little bit more um, and become a little bit more efficient. Okay, going to take out a couple more uh, of your questions. Gregory says, would you uh, would finding we are bringing in Gakpo and Schick blow your skirt up? I've never heard that one before. Um, but look, I'd like to see us bring in uh, a couple of attacking players, and I think they would be two uh, very good options. Patrick Schick is having a wonderful season in the Bundesliga. We were talking about Moussa Diaby earlier on, and it's really he and Patrick Schick who have really... Uh, been at the forefront of everything that Bayer Leverkusen have done as an attacking side. So, yeah, I think that that would be, uh, those would be two welcome signings for sure. From my perspective, whether that's doable or achievable, though, I don't know. Okay, I'm going to pick, um, I think I'm going to pick a couple more. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, BX Gunner says, get on the podcast tomorrow night, Harry. What's that? What's the podcast? Um Olivier says, uh, well, welcome to California. Oh, I'd love to go to California as well. So many places uh, I want to visit, um, hopefully in the not too distant future. Uh, big hello to Andy Cork as well, who joins us in the chat. Um, oh, here we go. North Korean gunner. Any chance of coming to watch the Florida Cup? Any of us based gunners planning on watching Arsenal in the Florida Cup in July? Great opportunity for lots of you guys to, to meet each other for sure. Um, any chance of me coming to do it, it's going to be difficult. Um, it is going to be difficult just because got a lot of stuff on. Um, obviously, got two young kids as well, which doesn't make it easy. And um, and a lot of what freelance football broadcasters, journalists, whatever you want to call us, do in the summer is try and line work up for the new season. Um, nothing lasts forever in this business. And that's why I always say that every year, every season I get through, being able to do this as a job, I'm so grateful for it because it could easily just end. You know, it could easily just disappear and go. And I'm well aware of that. So, um, yeah, a lot of my summer is going to be spent trying to get things in motion, keeping the channel going, keeping the podcast going, um, but also sort of putting in some good, strong plans and foundations ahead of the new season. Uh, let's just take this final question then from Olivier, who says, do we have a shot at Nunez or is it Manchester United uh, that are going to sign him? Well, I think we've got a shot. I think that at this moment in time, Arsenal have a good project ongoing. And I think particularly if we qualify for the CL, if we qualify, get over the line, that would make it a much easier sell to the likes of Darwin Nunez, who you'd imagine uh, want to be playing Champions League football week in, week out. Can we offer the wages, the salary that Manchester United can? Maybe not. Um, but Arsenal are certainly moving in the right way, whereas Manchester United are moving in the wrong way. Yes, they've appointed Eric Ten Hag. Yes, they are uh, looking to rebuild and restructure and hoping to get back to where they feel as a football club they deserve to be. But there's no guarantees that Eric Ten Hag is going to be successful. There's no guarantees that he's going to get the players in that he wants, that he's going to have the control that he wants, or that anybody associated with Manchester United is going to have the patience to let him work over a number of years to get United back to where they need to be. So, um, yeah, of course we got a shot. I, I really do. And I, and that's why I'm so keen for us to get in the Champions League. Like, I think getting back into Europe means we've done the bare minimum that we were asking of Mikel Arteta at the start of the season. So you can't call this campaign a failure. Um, but 
with the door open, that opportunity to get in the Champions League feels like one we've really got to, um, really got to jump at for sure. Um, Highbury Arsenal says, Harry, are you going to the game on Sunday? I am indeed. I will be there uh, for sure. And Martin says, when's the next phone-in show? We're going to do one next week. I'm not 100% sure what day yet because um, it's a bit of a busy week. And of course, we've got the North London Derby on the Thursday as well. So we want to spend some time looking ahead to that. We need to spend some time reacting to the fallout of whatever happens at the weekend as well. To be confirmed. Um, but stay stay tuned on the um, on the Twitter feed at Chronicles underscore AFC and in the community tab on the YouTube channel. And I'll keep you posted uh, when I find a suitable slot to get that done. Do enjoy those. They're always good fun. So I look forward to chatting to some more of you next time. OK, we're going to leave it there. Just a quick roundup on some of the headlines and some of the news stories doing the rounds with regards to the Arsenal today. Arsenal, according to Build in Germany, are pushing and making serious moves in an attempt to sign Bayer Leverkusen's Moussa Diaby. Xhaka has been described as a de facto captain, the man uh, working behind the scenes so effectively at Arsenal at the moment, who the club dare not give the armband to uh, due to the... Uh, the threat of a public uh, outburst from the fans if indeed he makes a mistake or something. It's a bit sad, really, isn't it? Because he's basically doing the job, but we can't give him the job because of immature fans that have nothing better to do than, than abuse him and make a big deal out of it. Uh, Arsenal uh, correspondent for gold, Charles Watts, tells us that Bukayo Saka and Takahiro Tomiyasu are both expected to be fine and will feature um, against Leeds United at the weekend, which is obviously good news. And um, we've also heard that Mikel Arteta is impressed by what he's seen of Reese Nelson during his loan spell out at Feyenoord in the Netherlands. Right, we are going to leave it there. Thank you all so, so much for your um, participation in the chat. Thank you for uh, subscribing. Thank you for liking the video as well. Uh, let's try and get up to 100 likes or as close to as possible between now and the end of the stream. We'll be back tomorrow with some more Arsenal-related content. Until then, take care of yourselves. Goodbye. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.